In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We're back and we're approaching free agency. That, that golden time of the year is nearly here. We're nearly, nearly there. The most chaotic, fun time of the year and it is just getting started. And we're here with my boy Ian Wright. How are you doing, buddy? I am good. Sources tell me that a Team X may be interested in signing Team Y player, but no legal tampering was going on during the making of this tweet. So that time is almost near. We're on Sunday because it opens up, what, Monday at 4 o'clock? Is that the – yeah, Monday's the initial tampering thing where all the deals will start flying out and it will go flying crazy. In, yeah. They won't officially right? sign until the Wednesday. Correct. Yeah. So it'll be that one where on Sunday we might start getting the brother's cousin's uncle, you know, like I've heard today that random backup quarterback from 10 years ago has insight that Deshaun Watson's going to Pittsburgh only to be quickly dispelled by Jerry Dulac, a reputable reporter for the Steelers saying that is not going to happen. So it's fun times in the NFL, no doubt about it. But you know what, Jack? Hashtag Browns has not been trending so far because the NFL is just in quarterback mayhem. This is the second straight offseason where quarterbacks have been changing hands. So really little to no impact for the Browns. But let's just kind of recap it for all of our people out there that may or may not have gotten a full dose of what's going on. Yeah, so we'll touch on the first penny to drop, which was Aaron Rodgers saying he's staying, which sort of been trending to where it was expected. Um, if you looked anywhere at the betting markets, they more or less had that as a done deal. Um, so that's there off the table. Um, and then we get to the first piece of news. Russell Wilson was traded to an absolute boatload. And that does actually impact the Browns because yet again, it's another fantastic quarterback coming into the AFC. Um, and that is not good. If you could offer me two first round picks to move to the NFC, I would do it. Boatload. That was like a cargo ship load. Two firsts, two seconds, a fifth a backup quarterback, a starting D lineman and a starting former first round tight end. That is a haul for a quarterback. Yeah. So do I love Russell Wilson? Yes. Russell Wilson is probably my favorite quarterback in the entire NFL. Um, was very close to being a Seahawks fan. If it wasn't for deeper Podesta, I'd probably be a Seahawks fan. Um, so I love him, but I wouldn't have given up that much just for where the Browns are at. Um, because we're in a position where we don't have to rush it. To me, it's, I get where Denver's at. And if you follow the people out of Denver, they've told you the ownership guaranteed that they were going to have better quarterback play. And listen, I get it. You've got Cortland Sutton. You've got Jerry Judy. You've got a bunch of young receivers out there and you've got Javante Williams. You've got, a decent core of young offensive players, including a couple of de decent pieces on the defensive line or on the offensive line. I, I just don't know. Russell Wilson's 33. I'll be curious to see if his decline in play has been more the fact that he's been playing with a college level roster in Seattle, or he just doesn't 
quite have what he had five years ago, which is to be expected. I mean, once you turn that corner, it's very few guys. I know everybody points at Tom Brady, but, you know, we'll be able to see if Russell Wilson's able to kind of regain his form from years past because he's going to have a decent cast around him to get it done. Yeah, and we'll just touch on a couple before we get on to the next quarterback move. So one guy I want to touch on is my guy, Al Woods, who I'm really keen to add. Probably an increased chance that he hits the market um, because Shelby Harris has left um, Denver and moved to Seattle. Obviously, they could still cut Shelby Harris, but if they keep Shelby Harris, good chance Al Woods hits the market. Um, Not particularly exciting name. We're talking 2 million aging defensive tackle, but he intrigues me. Um, and then the t- the big talking point. He'd be the Malik Jackson. Yeah. He'd be like this year's Malik Jackson. And let's be honest, with or without Shelby Harris, he's a veteran. Why is he going to want to sign on a team that's clearly in a rebuild? I don't think they're going to want him back. I just, regardless of Shelby Harris or not, I, I see him hitting the market. He's going to go for a team that gives him a shot to win again. Yep, makes sense. And then the one that has got the bigger buzz is Tyler Lockett. Um, he was a great wide receiver. Um, really, really like Ty Lockett. You're looking at two years on his deal. There's, there is four, but when it gets uh, the crazy money in the last two years, no, no one's really going to keep him at the age of 32 at that point. He's already 30 um, this next season. So I think it's one where they're potentially going to ask for a second. And that's at the point where I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm good. Because if I can go trade for a second and spend 15 million roughly in free agency... That's Alan Robinson. And do I want Alan Robinson and a second round pick, say George Pickens, Sky Moore, or do I want Tyler Lockett? Give me the two. Um, and, and that's where I'm at because we're not, if we were all in and we had Justin Herbert or something and we were going, hey, Tyler Lockett's the missing piece, I get it. The Browns are in sort of a, a bit of flux because they're unknown at the quarterback position. So I wouldn't want to trade for a guy that I'm potentially going to cut in two years. If I draft a quarterback in a year's time, he gets one year with Tyler Lockett and he's gone. I have another, this is, it's an interesting, you make valid points, but here's my one. And this is kind of a weird, why I'm a no on Tyler Lockett. Russell Wilson went out and Geno Smith comes in and Tyler Lockett basically didn't exist. How much of Tyler Lockett's productivity is the fact that he had Russell Wilson throwing him the ball? Because if you remember right, Tyler Lockett would get these insanely beautiful deep balls placed right in his lap. And I just worry that Russell Wilson may have made Tyler Lockett better than he actually is. And if I'm going into the draft and I'm getting a guy that's significantly younger, significantly cheaper I think I've got more upside because there's just, I I think Tyler Lockett's a great receiver, but I also think that he was a product of Russell Wilson at his prime, just dropping beautiful passes in there. And with a guy like Baker, I don't think he's got Russell Wilson's arm. No, but he's deep always. Not strength. Okay. Um, Yeah. I I just think it's one of those where with these trades, people go, oh, it's a second rounder. And I'm like, well, it's a second rounder and that money because yeah. we're not talking about mid-season where it's like, hey, you trade for a guy or you, you get in some street free agent to bring in. Free agency's there. Go and spend a load of money. and I'd happily throw money at dudes to bring guys in to compete rather than set aside 15 million and a second round pick for a guy. Ironically enough, Jack, as many people will bag on you, but you talked about the prospect of JC Jackson and a first for Denzel Ward. It's the same thing inverted. 
you know, yes, I'm getting it. I'm getting a Denzel Ward esque cornerback one and a first. So it's like, I'm actually getting Tyler Lockett and losing the money and the pick. So it's kind of the double whammy. Yeah, it's, it's exactly that. It's like, it's all about the big picture with this stuff. Look at it in a single view. Do I, would I want Tyler Lockett on my team? Yeah, I want Tyler Lockett on my team. Do I want to give up what it's going to take and then what it will stop me doing? No, I'm not. George Pickens and Alan Robinson versus Tyler Lockett. I don't think anyone's choosing Tyler Lockett in that combo. Absolutely. And then on the flip side, DK Metcalf going into the final year of his deal, okay, what's DK Metcalf worth without and with an extension? So, yeah, there's going to be a fire sale in Seattle, no doubt about it. I think a lot of those guys are going to be gone. But at the end of the day, I don't think teams get better by giving up assets and taking on boatloads of cash. When, especially if you watch the combine, you know the depth out there right now at wide receiver. I think I would rather take my chances building young pieces. Like we talked about defensive ends, you know, I'd rather have it a three and a half million dollar defensive edge number two versus say a $15 million 34 year old. Right. So I think that's really what it comes down to is how do we want to allocate the resources? Yeah. And then the most traded man probably in NFL history in terms of assets given up um, is a Carson Wentz. He's rivaling Josh McCown at this point, Josh McCown, Carson Wentz. What's the difference? It's just so many. It's like three first round picks, uh, four seconds. Um, it's 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 madness what he's gone for. And um, yes, they've eaten a lot of money, Indianapolis. And um, it's it's the example of just making moves isn't good. Um, Chris Ballard's a coward. Yeah, I said it. They need to be. They always needed to be aggressive and trade up. And he's just taken the safe picks. Quinn and Nelson, probably my favorite player in that entire draft. Fun do to watch. Is he a difference maker? No, he's not going to get you to a Super Bowl. Um, he could even help the Hall Jacksonville of Jaguars. He's Jacksonville Jaguars must win. Yeah, and it doesn't I, matter. I have some friends that are Colts fans, and I had said this, you know, on our chat as well. Is Carson Wentz is that guy that you're like? We gave up a first round pick for some of the most wildly inconsistent quarterback play, and realistically. Carson Wentz has been saying that ever since he botched his knee in that MVP season. He's just never had the consistency. In the, in the course of one series, he can go from making an all-pro throw to a oh-hell-no throw. Easy throws like in Indy. I mean, granted, I think Frank Reich does a great job of scheming up that offense, but that offense ticks and goes with the running game. And the entire point of having that running game is to give yourself easy passes, and he misses the easy ones. So it's, they just got frustrated with them and they said, you know what, we're just going to sell what we can on this and move right along. And who knows, they're, they're a player now. There's a lot of talk about them trying to acquire Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think they're basically saying, if we're going to have a game manager, I'd rather have him as a game manager. At least I know he's not going to make the dumb throws that this guy makes. And I put it on Twitter, D Podesta, he got dragged through the mud for saying Carson Wentz wasn't top 20 quarterback and oh, how the tides have turned Moneyball. Yep. Believe in depot for everything. Um, work at home policy, but, number one fan. Absolutely. Speaking of depot, he's going to be a major contributor in roster building for this Cleveland Browns roster. And moving into the 2022 season, they have a lot of holes. And by a lot of holes, I mean, they they have a DN1, right? They have a running back 1A, 1B. I know we'll dispute on that. They've got an offensive line, right? But there are a lot of pieces, a lot of core contributors, really kind of that middle class of talent. 
that the Browns right now don't have able-bodied individuals for. And that's what free agency is going to be for. And we know that Andrew Barry over the last two years has really attacked free agency with a purpose. We go out and get Jack Conklin. We go out and get Austin Hooper. You know, we go out and get John Johnson. You know, they make specifically targeted moves to fill specifically targeted positions of need. Here's and we're going into that again. I've got the number, so it'll be interesting to see what you come out with. How many players of the Browns signed in free agency. So we're not talking extensions like a re-signing an Njoku or something. Between free agency and the draft, each of the two years combined. Just free agents? So just unrestricted free agents that they've added um, between the kicking off of free agency all the way through to the start of the draft. I'm not talking post-draft where they pick up the nobodies. I would say combined in the two years or per year? Um, combined in the two years, I would say 14 It's 17. So really, really close. But when people are talking, oh, we're only going to sign three free agents. We need like an edge, a wide receiver and something else. It's like, it's not how it works. Um, they're going to add several pieces and we're not talking all 17 of these guys are over 5 million each. There's some Malik of them Jackson, 3.75, Anthony Walker, 3 million. You got to fill the, you got to have bodies out there. I mean, that's, yes, they're not all going to be, you know, the Jack Conklin's and the Austin Hoopers, 9, 10, 8, 12 million a year. You're going to have some guys out there for a million, 2 million, 3 million, 4 million. I mean, that's just the way it goes. That's, that's how you fill contributing roles on your team. That's how it works. Yeah, without a doubt. So what we're going to get to for this show is Ian's going to have a run through his free agency mock um, situation, spending some money, adding some people. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to ask some questions prior have a little um, chat and sort of see where his head's at. Um, but no, it, that's where we're playing out. So remember, this is how it'll be in real life. You don't go, oh, I'm going to do this because I'm going to get Garrett Wilson guaranteed at pick 13 because none of that stuff's guaranteed. You, you don't do both of these two at the same time. You have to do free agency, put that in the bank, and then you can start talking about the draft. Yes, absolutely. And the four guys, I was looking through the Browns list of candidates for being re-signed. And I just, at this point, if you were to give me a percentage on, I would say it's sub 20% that Jadavian Clowney is back with the Browns. And it's only because if the Browns wanted him back, I just feel by now they'd have got it done. Clowney again, he took, you know, 8 million, basically $8 million last year for the opportunity to come in, get some staff and hit the market. And the Browns have been telling him that for two years, it took him to the second year to do it. I just feel like at this point, if Clowney really wanted to be in Cleveland, the Browns are going to have a competitive offer for him to come in and stay. Listen, I could be wrong. I'm putting it at sub 20%, but Jadavian Clowney, in my opinion, not coming back. These are the four guys that I think are coming back to the Browns. I think Chris Hubbard is coming back. I think they've made it a very much a point that now not saying he's not going to test the market, but this is a guy I felt like if after his injury, we'd have heard early on if they didn't have any interest in keeping him. Actually, we've heard they are interested in keeping him. So Chris Hubbard is one of the guys I do think is coming back on a little bit of a change deal. I believe Stephen Carlson is an exclusive rights free agent or restricted free agent is one of the two. I do think they bring him back maybe on a little bit of a modified deal after his injury last year. I think you want a guy that's familiar with your system, especially with the tight ends. I'm not saying he's going to make the 90 man roster. 
I'm just saying, I think he's the guy they bring back. The final two, I think MJ Stewart. I think the Browns have put a specific targeted interest in making sure that that secondary is going to grow and develop. You know, they waited patiently to see what Grant Delpit could do, how he could develop. They waited patiently through the greedy Williams injury. And I think MJ Stewart, they took a flyer on him when he was a released second round pick. And I think that they're going to get this done. I wouldn't be shocked to see MJ Stewart back. He's probably the most coveted of the, the free agents the Browns have that I think they can get it done for a decent amount of money, not break the bank. I like his versatility. And I think he's something that they can contribute. He could come in and contribute to the secondary and possibly lessen our need for taking one of those secondary guys in the top 100 picks. You know, I know Nick Cross and a lot of these other athletic safeties have been out there, but at this point, we've already seen with Richard LeCount, we've already seen with Grant Delpit, it's very hard to rely on guys drafted, especially day two and day three guys to come in and play right away. MJ Stewart's a guy. We know we can put him out there and he's going to be reliable. You partner him with a young and developing guy like AJ Green, you know, you're starting to find out how to fill out a secondary using low cost, high upside picks. And the last one, this is a guy I just really like. So I'm hoping there's a little bit of bias in this one. I really like this guy. I kind of hope he's back. And I'm predicting that the Browns are going to release or they're not going to bring back Jarvis Landry. Listen, yes, it is always possible that the Browns can renegotiate a contract and bring in a new deal that keeps Jarvis here for three, four, three to four more years, do what they did with the Hooper and the Conklin deal where most of the money is paid in the first two years. And then it kind of dies off, but this is a guy, I think he's a veteran receiver and I think he comes in and gives him a shot to compete in the slot. And that's Ryan Switzer. Ryan Switzer is a guy they brought in. He's played a little bit in Pittsburgh, missed the entire season with an ankle injury. So this is the guy I think that's going to come in and compete. When we get to the free agents, there will be a free agent wide receiver, I think, that uh, will come in and give Switzer a little bit of com competition. And I think ultimately this guy would be your starting wide receiver three out of the slot. But Switzer's a guy I think that they bring back to camp. I think he's a good guy in terms of how he is along the rock room. You saw his battle last year with his son and kind of the medical stuff, how the team really rallied behind him. I just think it's a feel-good story. So I'm hopeful that Ryan Switzer is back with the Browns. So that's MJ Stewart, Ryan Switzer, Chris Hubbard, and Steven Carlson. Jack, your yes. thoughts. So in terms of re-signings, I, I, I think that's roughly where you're at. Um, I think it's a really realistic group. Um, MJ Stewart is one I would love to see back. Um, I, I, why I haven't included him in lots of my stuff when I've been talking about it before, I just don't know. Um, and yeah, it, it's going to be a really, really interesting one to follow. Um, it might be one where it's a two-year deal and that second year has like a, a million signing uh, roster bonus if he's on the team, say, the third day of the league year and he's going to get paid five million in that second year because he's going to try and elevate himself to a level where he's going to replace Troy Hill on the roster. Um, and that's sort of got to be his goal almost. And that forces us into a decision of going, hey, We'll have him for the first year and then we need to decide whether he's going to be a starting fifth DB or, or he's not going to be on the team. So um, that might be a nice way they can structure a deal that goes, we do want to keep you, but we don't want to guarantee anything long-term. But if, it, if we don't want to keep you, you can go hit the market again. Um, but no, I, I think that's a, it's a nice group starting. Hubbard lot, is off a lot of people's radar, but it makes so much sense. Yeah, especially a guy that's been in your system, knows it well enough. Yes, we mentioned a couple tackles in our position breakdown that you can come in that have zone blocking experience. 
But Hubbard was a free agent that, you know, when the Browns went out and got him from Pittsburgh with Todd Haley and stuff, he just, he didn't find his, his role. Credit to the Browns. They did not give up on him. They found a role that works for him. And having him as your first lineman off the bench, I think is just crucial because realistically, Jack, and you saw it as much as I did when Blake Hans and the other parade of guys, James Hudson and stuff were out at right tackle or left tackle Baker worried about it. And I think he knows he did it the year before, obviously in 2020, when you have Hubbard out there on the edge, he provides a level of comfort. That's why I think he's coming back. Listen, MJ Stewart is a guy, I just think he's probably the primary, but much like last year with Money Mitchell, who I'm going to come back to in about three seconds here, if somebody offers him a decent contract somewhere else, I'm not overpaying for him. I really am not. But if he can get his money elsewhere, that's fine. I don't know if you saw this, but Mitchell did get released by the Texans today. He did do a little cross training in the slot and in the outside and played a little safety. So if there's any interest in him coming back, and MJ Stewart walks, you could kind of maybe transition MJ Stewart's role back to money, Mitch. Um, he obviously was a cornerback primarily when he was here with the Browns, but there was a lot of talk in that camp leading up that he was going to try to learn a little bit of that safety position as well. MJ Stewart, former corner conversion, kind of that hybrid role safety. So if MJ Stewart leaves, Hey, maybe that's uh, Terrence money, Mitch coming back. Who knows? Yeah, and sort of a wild card one with Hubbard. If they then draft a guy they really like, Donovan West, for example, is sort of a, a guy I know there, Tyler Smith. Um, they could easily, through camp, someone else gets an injury and they trade him and he's a starting guard for someone. This guy was a top nine guard in the NFL two years ago. Um, yeah, he only played about 20% of snaps, but he was good. Um, so it's one that have if you can get more guys on the O-line that are good, you will find a home for him that if you end up drafting guys and they do really well, you can move him on. Positional versatility. He has it. I think he comes back. I think the front agency, uh, front office sees it. I just, that's, a, that's the four guys. Like I said, now full disclosure in terms of free agency, I've got eight, nine, I've got 10 guys. So this is a little bit above the average. Now in saying that not a single free agent, and listen, Jack, I think we, we when we talked before, and we're talking about in the meat of free agency. So after the draft, if they bring in guys, I'm not factoring them in. I think these guys are guys they bring in before the draft. If there's a guy that wants to hold out till after the draft at certain positions that we don't need, you know, we talked a little about a guy like Xavier Rhodes, right? So Xavier Rhodes is a guy, if he gets picked up nowhere else and he wants to come in for a kick for a, a spot over the summer, by all means, I don't have a single quarterback, running back, fullback, tight end, or offensive lineman. Until Austin Hooper's cut at this point, I don't see there's really any need for us to bring in any free agents in any of those positions. Obviously, provided they bring back Chris Hubbard. If not, you're going to need a flex O-line. There are three receivers. I think one of them is going to be my wide receiver one. One is going to be my wide receiver three. And one of them is going to be, we'll call it a wide receiver five. My First target in terms of wide receiver is Allen Robinson. I think Allen Robinson is exactly the type of receiver that Baker Mayfield needs. He's a precise, precise route runner. He has great hands. He's savvy enough to beat zone coverage. He's quick enough to beat man coverage. He has size on the outside. He can complete contested catches both along the edge and over the middle. It's tough to evaluate him over the last couple of years here in Chicago when he was with Mitch Trubisky for a couple of years, he was able to produce some decent numbers and very well schemed executed offenses. It, it got a little hard for him here. Allen Robinson is 
loved in the community. You know, his wide receivers coach, former Browns uh, wideout Mike Fury, has said plenty of good things about him. I think he is just an overall primary target receiver. Is he wide receiver one in terms of, you know, Devontae Adams? No, but this is a guy who you can give a primary of target share to, which is what he's going to be looking for here in Cleveland. I think he could resurrect a guy like Baker Mayfield's uh, quarterback kind of life going into this fifth year by knowing, hey, when the going gets tough, I can always look to Allen Robinson on a slant, a dig, on an out, on a post. He's just a reliable guy, and I'm willing to give him that 15 to $17 million in a three-year deal that says he can come in and be my primary wide receiver. Then we start addressing you know, the wide receiver later on in the draft. But at the end of the day, whether I take Garrett Wilson, Drake London, or Joe Schmo at 13, if I have Allen Robinson, he's a perfect complement for a rookie wide receiver, whether I take him in the first or the second round. So by signing Allen Robinson, I don't think that eliminates the need at wide receiver in the first round or the second round. So it's you're kind of keeping your, your glass half, uh, half full on that one. The second guy, the second guy in the wide receiver room, he's going to replace Jarvis Landry, and he's going to do it for 5 to $6 million. He's a savvy vet. He has produced pretty much everywhere he's gone when he's healthy. Uh, this is a guy that just made plays at Tennessee and with Washington. That's my guy, Adam Humphreys. Again, we're talking about reliable receiving targets, good hands, good yak. You know, he was kind of always Marcus Mariota, if I'm not mistaken, safety blanket there in Tennessee. And then he went on to Washington and signed some good contracts. But Adam Humphreys is who I'm bringing in to kind of fill that Jarvis Landry role. He's quick. He's shifty. He's reliable. The long shot in the wide receiver room, you don't have to look too much further than a division rival. This is a guy who had a lot of hype coming out of college, was teammates with Mason Rudolph, was kind of a poor man's Garrett Wilson. And I think this is a guy that's just looking for opportunities and he knows he's not going to get it in Pittsburgh. That's none other than Oklahoma State wide receiver James Washington. I think that if James Washington's on this roster, Donovan Peoples-Jones, better he better dot them I's and cross them T's because James Washington's been in the league. He's hungry. He's going to be the guy that's going to come in and try to push the bottom of the roster. You're always trying to drive competition. And if James Washington's on your roster as a four or five, yes, he has some drop issues. He has dropped easy passes, but he also has the ability to get downfield. He also has the ability to make plays downfield. And let's be honest, Jack, what are we talking? Sub 2 million for him, right? Yeah. I mean, right now I think he's, he's a million, million two. I think this is a guy. He's got a lot to prove. He kind of fell being behind the clay pools and the jujus and the Deontay Johnsons. So go out and get me Adam Humphreys, Allen Robinson, and James Washington in this wide receiver room. It doesn't close any doors, but it instantly makes this wide receiver room a little bit better than it was before. Now it gives you some solid depth. Allen Robinson, I think would be an ideal signing for the Browns. If you asked me, Going in, now we've obviously seen Mike Williams is off the table. Who is their guy? If you said to him, look, you can have one wide receiver. You you get to go in and shop before anyone else comes in. You're going to give them the market rate, so it's not you getting them at a discount. Who do they go in and go, I want that one? I think Alan Robinson is would be their guy. He's coming in. He instantly upgrades. He, he gives you that wide receiver one quality. Um, yeah, he's coming off a down year, but fine. Um, you're only committing to him for two years. Who really cares? Um, yeah, let, let, let's think, go and embrace it. I think when you're talking about Stefanski, right, you're talking about a timing offense. You're talking about 
people needing, if there's an opposite wide receiver to Odell Beckham Jr., it's Allen Robinson, right? And this is a guy, when you see him when he played for the Bears, he'd be standing in the spot he's supposed to be standing in, and then you'd see the ball sail five yards over his head out of bounds. And listen, yeah, I know there's going to be some Baker jokes there, but at the end of the day, at the if you have a receiver that's there and you look at the quarterback and say, hey, man, he's getting there, he's open, I just think Allen Robinson's exactly what they need. I think he cures all. And say you miss out on the wide receiver you want in the first round and you end up getting, say, a Jahan Dotson or somebody like that in the second round, that's that's a pretty good young core to say, okay, because Allen Robinson's only 29. Let's not make it seem like this guy's 35, 36 years old. I mean, he's 29. So if you're able to, and obviously Dotson and Allen Robinson both went to Penn State, so who knows, maybe they have a relationship. But yeah, that's just that's where I see it going in the wide receiver room. Well, can I can I just correct something I said earlier? I, I was looking at the number one. It's 19 guys they've signed in free agency, not 17. Oh, then my 10 is close. So higher. 10 a year. I was saying 10 a year. Yeah. Over two years, I was thinking seven each. Hence why I said 14. But 19 means that we're averaging about 10 a year, and I've got 10. All right. Next available position that I like. He's going to be my second biggest free agent signing. It ain't sexy, but we got to get inside. We got to get some big boys in the middle. And we know in the AFC, we got all these hot, hot, hot quarterbacks. Everybody wants to come here. It's basically the Columbus real estate market, Columbus, Ohio, that is. Everybody's just trying to buy quarterbacks in the AFC. Well, at the end of the day, I need a fat guy that can stop the run. And no better guy out there in free agency than our guy Foley or Fuller Runsu Farukasi. This is a guy who is hitting his stride. You can be had for sub $10 million. I think if I'm not mistaken, I saw him projected somewhere around that $8 million range. He's a guy he's going to highlight in terms of my defensive signings. He's going to be the guy that I give the upgraded contract to. I do love Akeem Hicks. I do love Bilal Nichols. These are guys that have familiarity in a 3-4 defensive scheme. They have multi-versatility, but Fadukasi is the guy I think just makes too much sense. Is he only a two-down player? Pretty much, yes. You're only going to have him out there in rundowns. But at the end of the day, if Woods wants to go with his dime secondary, then you're going to have to have guys out there and there are three safeties and dime. You're going to have to guys have, you're going to have to have guys out there that can do a job and do it well. And with a four man front, you got to have guys who can stop the run because otherwise teams are going to run the ball against you when you have that many guys in the secondary. Fadukasi is my guy. I, I can't see them committing to him more than two years of money. Um, so, Jack, in terms of my my pillar of the defensive tackle signing, before I move on to two kind of lesser guys, what's your take on Fadakasi? Yeah, I think if I'm going to spend some money um, at defensive tackle, there's four guys that make sense to me. Harrison Phillips, DJ Jones, BJ Hill, and Fatakasi. Um, that is my group of four. Um, I'm not interested in Hakeem Hicks, any of the bigger, older guys. I, if they're going to go and invest money, if we're talking about a one-year deal, I think you can start talking about those guys. If they're investing multi-year, they're going younger. And that's why that group of four is the, if they're going to spend some money, that's what they're looking at. They might not what even go for four, one of that. What do all four of those guys have in common? They're good against the run. They're primary run stuffers. So the irony there is you're talking four guys and listen, yes, on certain occasions, they can generate a pass rush, but all four of those guys are primary run stuffing defensive tackles. And I don't think, I think of all of them, I think Fado Costa is the best run grade of all of them in terms of like, obviously PFF grades. Cause 
to think that I watched every Jets game. No, Fadakasi is a guy that just you've watched and he's you've seen him produce for the last two or three years. Um, so that's why I just tend to be him more. Uh, DJ Jones would probably be the other guy out of San Francisco. I'll be curious if all four of them make the open market. The, the, a couple of those guys, especially like BJ Hill out of Cincinnati, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe their teams keep them, but Fadakasi's my guy. The other two guys that I'm bringing into that room, we've talked about them. These shouldn't be too, too unfamiliar. If you're going to have one guy, you got to have another guy in that big role, and that's my boy Justin Jones. Justin Jones from the Los Angeles Chargers. He is a guy who he's young, he's developing. Bring him in here, give him a shot to prove what he's got. The other guy who I think you thought I was going to say first is going to be second, and that's Taven Bryan, my former mind. first round pick out of Florida. He is going to give you a little bit more athleticism, speed, and quickness. He's the guy that I would probably, if I'm running your NASCAR packages and I'm bringing Miles Garrett inside or something like that, they used to keep Malik Jackson out there. I think Taven Bryan's a guy that can maybe possibly step into that Malik Jackson role where he can rush the passer. He can generate a little bit more quickness where if I have some sort of a, a short distance, I'm going to put a guy like Justin Jones on one side and I'm going to put Fadu Kasi on the other side. And I'm going to say, hey, these are my big, this is my big meat in the middle. Whereas Taven Bryan's a guy I think can just add some upside. He's going to want to get the hell out of Jacksonville like everybody else. So those are my three D tackles, Fadu Kasi, Justin Jones, and Taven Bryan. Yeah, if, if you were saying, hey, you can put, we'll give you a hundred pound free bet. You can put a hundred pounds, hundred dollars on any single player in free agency. And if that guy signs with the Browns, we're not talking re-signings like Clowney. We're talking complete players that... Changing teams. Changing teams, not been with the Browns before. If you ask me who would I put money on, I would take my hundred dollars pounds and Taven Bryan is the guy. If if I'm making that prediction, a couple of years ago, I said, hey, Chris Hubbard was the the guy that I felt the stars just lined up. This year, Taven Bryan is the prediction for me. Am I saying he's going to be a wonderful player? No. I wasn't even saying that with Chris Hubbard. I was just saying everything makes sense for him to be here. Absolutely. He's a guy who fits the profile of what they need. Now, I do think there's going to be a demand for him. There's, there's no... There's no reason that I'm sitting here looking at this guy's upside and his agent's not saying the same thing. And there's probably not 25 other teams in the league that are also looking at this. So I'll be curious to see what he ends up going for and where he goes. Cause I mean, realistically PFF can put out there and say, Oh, we think he's going to be a two, $3 million guy, but it just takes one team that says we're going to give him 5 million a year. They're a little bit higher. Who knows? Look at teams that had, you know, high high draft grades on him back, you know, when he came out in the draft. So those are the three guys that I like. In saying that, Jack, we're going to need some edges. Come hell or high water in the draft, obviously I'm team edge at 13, but we are going to need some other guys because, as we said, it's Miles Garrett and Mother Hubbard in the cupboard. There's nobody else. So there are two guys that I kind of like in terms of what roles I think they can fill. And in a world where you don't have – a dedicated DN2 because I just don't think the market plays for it. So I think whoever they do take in the top 50 picks is likely going to be your day one DN2. The guy I'm thinking of is kind of a, we'll call it a DN4. This is a guy that I think could develop possibly into a DN2 type of role. That is a guy at Ohio State, Taekwon Lewis, was with the Colts. 
obviously a stout front line. He's going to be a cheaper guy. You're not going to pay big dollars for him, but this is a guy that I think has the ability to rush the passer. He's stout against the run. Is he a splash sexy pick? Nope. But he's a guy that I think, you know, you think about that Indianapolis D line, you know, with the guy, um, the guy out of San Francisco, who's named DeForest Buckner. They've had some solid players on that defense. I think Taekwon Lewis would love a shot to get more reps. And like I said, going into the draft, we can't maybe possibly have my guy, Carl Loftus, but it would sure be nice to maybe have somebody partner with them. And the other guy I like, I know you've talked about him a little, or you've talked about a guy out of the Rams for pass rushing specialties. I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I think Jacob Martin, the more I've looked into Jacob Martin for the Texans, kind of being that defensive end number three, PFF has him projected right now as I think about a $2.25 million contract. Obviously, they're blowing up the farm in Houston. This is a guy I think that can just make plays. He's kind of bounced a little bit between that outside linebacker, 3-4. He's kind of developed a little bit more. He's this year's version to me of attack McKinley. You bring him outside whenever you're going to rush Garrett and the other boys from the outside. So the two guys I'm bringing in, Tyquan Lewis and Jacob Martin. Talk to me, Jack. Yeah, so Tyquan Lewis, I think, is a phenomenal shout as an age three. Um, I'm just looking he's the- my big he's like my DN3 big. We'll call it like oh. DN3 big and DN3 pass rush. Right. I, th- I thought it was a good shout, and then I've just gone and looked at his relative athletic score, 9.5. That dude is very much it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so guys, if you're potentially looking at a name that coming back to this uh, podcast in a couple in a week's time once free agency kicks off. I think Tyquan Lewis is a phenomenal shout. He has been able to perform for Indianapolis in spurt. Now at Ohio state, he came on late. It was one of those things where when he came to Ohio state, everybody was kind of expecting the world. He gradually got better and better and better. And I'm telling you when, when a play needed to be made in an Ohio state game, a couple years ago, Tyquan Lewis was the guy to make the play. I'm splitting up that DN3 is what I'm doing. I'm saying in pass rushing downs, I'm bringing in obviously Jacob Martin. And for the run stuffing stuff, I'm seeing Taekwon Lewis. So those are the two guys that I like in edge, not spending a ton of money because at the end of the day, Jack, I know a lot of people look at box scores and they see Justin Houston's and all these, these guys are senior citizens and they want 10, 12, $14 million. If I can get 20, you know, a guy in his late twenties, like Jacob Martin for two, $3 million, who, who has more upside, Justin Houston at, 10, $12 million at 34 years old or Jacob Martin, I'm putting my money on Jacob Martin. So I'm not about spending for the senior citizens out there to bring in a pass rush specialist is my DN two. I want more of an all around player. Obviously now that the combine's over, I think more and more people are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to these defensive ends at, you know, pick 13, not saying that the Browns are going to take a D end at 13. They may trade back. You know, we talked about that a little bit more in terms of if only three or four edges are off and they've got six or seven guys up there, the Browns could bump back, pick up an extra second because now you're starting to talk about, imagine if I can move from say pick 13 to pick 20, get the edge I want and then pick up like a Travis Jones or somebody in that second round, a Logan Hall, you know, is a name that's been out there by a lot of people. If all of a sudden I can add another piece of puzzle in the second and third to get young on that D line and still get a defensive end. I think it makes sense. Or Jack, we talked about it. Maybe they bump back and take Jamison Williams, knowing that there's two edges that they like in maybe that 30 to 50 range that, you know, they're going to target. So 
Youth in the D-line is one of the biggest priorities for me in this offseason, and I just think the upside with Martin and Lewis is there. So those are my two guys at those positions. Yeah, no, I, I think it, it just gives you lots of options. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to bring in lots of bodies, and they're going to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Absolutely. All right, so my final two guys, both on the defensive side of the ball, I'm still – I know I didn't mention him in my top four in terms of Browns re-signing. Anybody that follows the social media, the Browns know that this guy has, there's a guy that's been training with the uh, Jarvis Landry in the off season. I'm not sure if the Browns are going to bring him back. This is one of those things where there's two guys that kind of, to me, fit the same role. The guy that we are familiar with is Anthony Walker. Anthony Walker is a guy, the Browns obviously brought in smart guy out of Northwestern. If they don't bring him back, we mentioned him in the other show, Jawan Bentley. Jawan Bentley is the guy that I think can step in and fill the role that Anthony Walker uh, played. I think it's, if it's me, it's going to be one or the other. If Walker decides to walk, Bentley's the guy that I kind of want. Very good against the run in other downs. Whenever I'm playing, say, Lamar Jackson or I'm playing one of these mobile quarterbacks, chances are I'm going to have JOK and I'm going to have Phillips on there. I'm going to bring in that third safety for speed. So I'm not necessarily going to need Jawan Bentley. I'm going to need him more when I'm playing the Steelers or when I'm going against teams that are, we know going to run the ball heady player, obviously played out in new England, just a guy I like not spending a ton of money on, on linebackers. I think we're just getting good performance out of him. So Jawan Bentley is my guy there. Last but not least, we talked about him a little bit. I think two years ago, if we signed him, we'd be kicking ourselves in the face, but he's available again this year and he can be had for a pretty decent price. And that's Anthony Harris. I just like the upside there regressed when he went to Philly. So obviously clearly when he's not with Kevin Stefanski and his schemes, he clearly doesn't succeed. So what better way to do it is to bring him back to Kevin Stefanski's schemes. Joe Woods would have familiarity with him in his time in Minnesota. Anthony Harris, why don't you come on in and fight for a spot as one of my role safeties? Because Ronnie Harrison hit the bricks, pal. You're gone. Anthony Harris, come on down. Now, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a massive upside move of if if that's sort of what you're talking about as a depth piece that, yeah, if you want to play a free safety, he's ideal um, and you can push the other two nearer the line of scrimmage. Um, it's that cheaper version of what I've been banging the table for with Marcus May, so uh, why not? May, obviously, I just – that guy is so insanely talented. Jack, I, I'm not going to lie. If I had the $100 to bet, if a team signs Marcus May for $6 million – I will be amazed because Marcus made a couple of years ago, they were talking about giving top safety in the league money to, and then the jets just turned to shite. I think Marcus may is going to cost some teams some money. This guy, this guy can play. Listen, if I, my choice is Anthony Harris at 3 million or Marcus may at 6 million, give me Marcus may all day, every day. The problem is I just don't think he's going to come in for that amount. Just like I don't think Okoronkwo is going to come in at that 3 million. I think you're probably talking six, 8 million on him. I would almost bet that Marcus May is getting closer to 10 million. In a passing league, a guy with his skill, I have him closer to 10 million. Oh, I could certainly see it. Um, I, th- I, th- I just think it's all going to be timeline of when he's going to be healthy because if he's not going to be healthy for the first few weeks of the season, maybe the first month of the season, that's when you start getting into less money. And he's going to care more about what this year does for setting up the big payday next year, then, oh, can I get 8 million rather than six? 
that that sort of one two million it isn't going to be the priority for 2022 it's about which team sets me up for the big payday the the following year yeah absolutely and if he's looking for a one year one year spot to go no better place to go that runs three safeties because guess what if you're one of the top safeties that means you're going to get more and more and more snaps so overall I was just kind of doing the math here in terms of about how much money did I spend. Surprisingly enough, I mean, if we're taking Robinson Humphreys in Washington, I kind of put them at about $23 million in terms of what they're going to spend a year. Uh, Brian Jones and Fadu Kasi, I got us about 13. Um, I got Jacob Martin and Tyquan Lewis at six. I'm being a little high there, probably. Uh, the Walker Bentley signing, I got is three and I got Harris at three. So Right there, we're talking 6, 12, 25. So at the end of the day, I'm talking about $48 million in terms of just kind of APY. We only have, what, $17 million now after the Najoku thing. So for all of this to come to light, we're going to have to make some obvious roster decisions, one of them being the $16 million that Jarvis Landry is going to provide. So because that would boost us right up into the $33 million. So I do anticipate if the Browns were – Here's my question, and this is on the J.C. Treader question. If the Browns were going to cut J.C. Treader, wouldn't they kind of already done it by now in terms of a veteran letting him kind of test the waters before free agency? Just like the um, – who was it? The uh, Bobby Wagner with the Seahawks. If you have a veteran where you know they're not going to keep him around, why not just let him get out there and kind of get in the fold before all the madness? It, it, it could be that. It could be their potential – Sound out trade market depends how ruthless they are. Um, but I wouldn't, I, I still think they might look to come, and it might be a case of they would like him to stay. But if Alan Robinson, Russell Gage, and somebody else hit the market and say it's it's the difference between all those seven, eight million edges dry up, and they're like, well. Our edge two is either going to be Joe Nobody or Clowney, but if it's Clowney, we have to cut Tretter. I think that's what's going to happen. He's not one of that first tier of cuts. He's not your Keenum, your Landry, potentially your Hooper. He's that next tier of going, we're only going to get rid of him if ABC. So I think that could be a factor. Gotcha. That makes sense. And also remember when I say 48 million, a, you know, average per year, the way deals are structured in terms of cap space, listen, Andrew Barry, D Podesta. Yeah. These guys are pretty smart guys. They know how to, they know how to target and manipulate Ken Kovash and all those guys. So the money will work itself out. I just am not going to go out and, you know, for a free agent mock sign three $15 million a year guys. That's just, that's not wise in my opinion. So I do think that the Browns will all, depending on how they address free agency, we will know a little bit more about what they plan to do in the draft, but Jack, whether they go out and sign Allen Robinson or they go out and sign a top DN two, that's a veteran guy. I still don't think that eliminates either one of the positions from 13, because we know this team is about youth, youth, and youth, youth and talent. And if they, unless they go out and sign multiple kind of mid tier uh, free agents that are all young, then you could say, all right, if they go out and sign three wide receivers all in the same age and buck range, then we kind of know they're not going to add another guy to the fold. Russell Gage is a guy we've been talking about now for a good part of a couple months. I really liked him coming into this year's fantasy football. I drafted him in all my leagues, disappointed me. But 
if the Browns are hellbent and saying, you know what, we're going to take the best receiver we can at number 13, because at the end of the day, you know, you're going to get probably one of your top three guys. Then go get me Russell Gage and say, now I don't want Russell Gage to be my one. Let's, let's get that out of the way. I want Russell Gage to be my two. So if you're going to get me a Jamison Williams or a Garrett Wilson or anybody like that, hell, even Chris Olave on a trade back, Drake London, uh, Traylon Burks, whoever it is, then Russell Gage is a solid number two for me. What I don't want is a Gage and a George Pickens. You know, I would, if, I, if I'm Allen Robinson and Russell Gage, now I'm spending too much money. I don't want to spend that much money. Yeah, no, it's, it's certainly one where you've just got to roll with it, see what happens, and then they'll cash in. They're, they're smart guys. Um, they'll strike while the iron's hot. I, I think in terms of sort of piggybacking into a position, if we're sat there going, well, they got um, Curtis, Will, what is it, Wilson? Um, Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys. And then at edge, they sign Clowney and Okoronkwo. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. It's going to be a wide receiver at 13. If we start getting into that balanced of they sign uh, Houston, Taquan Lewis Ocaron- and Russell Gage. Yeah, they sign both of them. Hey, every, everything could go either way. If they sign two big players in either one of the others and get like a secondary in the there, then you're leaning, but it, it's never a definite because... They can bodge it, do other stuff. Um, but no, I, I think the more I've looked at it, Traquan Lewis might, might be like the, the... All the noises the Colts definitely want to keep him. But he's got this far. Why would you not test the market? I'm, I'm, I'm certainly intrigued. My question to you, Jack, is how many free agents do the Browns sign that have an average per year over $10 million a year? We'll call them big... We'll call them tier one free agents. How many? In my thing, I have one, and that's Allen Robinson. Yeah, it's one to two. It was a wide receiver and an edge. There's nowhere else where it makes sense. Okay, so your your guess is one and a half. Uh, if you're sitting on the fence, go one or two. Pick one. I'll go one because I don't one. think they'll spend ten million on an edge. We'll call mid. We'll call mid tier seven to ten. Seven to ten. Nine point nine 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 million. That will do six. Six to ten million. Three dudes. tier twos. You think three guys in that? So two in that tier. So one in the top tier, two in that tier. Because okay. I think you've got wide receiver one, which is the bigger spend. And then the secondary spend is edge uh, edge two and wide receiver two. See, I think in my breakdown, I think Fadu Kasi and Humphreys were, would be the two guys that kind of fall in that mid tier. So I'm, I'm of the same ilk, one in the top tier, two in the mid tiers. And then I could see them five or six guys in that sub $6 million range. And obviously that's where I spend a majority of my capital in terms of resources where I get the most, you know, I got three guys of my 10 at Humphreys, Robinson, and um, Farukasi. So those three guys are all over 6 million and then seven guys below that. And I think that's where the Browns are really going to try to find, you know, the inefficiencies in the market. That's what the Patriots have done. That's what good teams do is they find roles and contributors, you know, a Jacob Martin who can come in and give you five, six snap, uh, sacks or something along those lines. That's, I think, where you're really trying to find value for production in terms of your dollars. Yeah, no, it, it's stuff that just makes sense. That if, When I say that averaging 19 signings, we're not getting 19 Alan Robinsons and we're not also getting 19 Jojo Natsons. It's going to be a nice mix and they're going to, they're going to fill a lot of spots. 
Yeah. And remember, a lot of those spots are going to be on special teams. Yeah. You know, with Janovich going away, there's a lot of snaps. They don't bring back like an Elijah Lee or something like that. Just remember, that's, you know, 15, 20 snaps a game for uh, for special teams. So. Good stuff, Jack. Any Anybody else do you think uh, I overlooked or, you know, we're going to, we'll probably do another show here. I know we've been averaging about two, but with everything that's going on in the NFL, uh, I also think that uh, we may be trying to schedule our first Twitter space, uh, you know, get something. Paul's been talking about it. I know a lot of people like to talk to Paul. Um, I think we might try to get one done before he goes back to the Ukraine um, to help more people out in a humanitarian effort. I had a couple people text me that if Paul was going to go fight, I said, if you knew Paul, you know, he is a humanitarian by day and never a fighter by night. So Paul will be delivering supplies. Another plug to go donate to the GoFundMe that he's been posting. Um, he's been kind of sharing some of the videos and where that money's going in terms of supplies and stuff like that. So shout out to Paul for doing that. And uh, little birdie uh, says that he might be getting some uh, local Cleveland attention from a certain organization in the area for some of his humanitarian efforts. So uh, shout out to Paul where uh, we won't, we won't disclose who that is though. Yeah, no um, kudos um, raising awareness. And yeah, as I've said on the stuff before, don't give to these big bureaucratic bureaucratic charities um, donate straight stuff like that's pool sharing, get that money straight onto the front line as quick as possible. Um, keep an eye out for uh, Jake Burns podcast at the weekend might be a familiar voice on there. So uh, yeah. it's like my Twitter space is invaded again, where I get nothing but duffing all the time. Nothing but duffing. I love it. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll keep everyone posted on when Paul's available and when we'll get our Twitter space out there. Um, I jumped in one yesterday briefly. I think like it was a chops. I don't know who the guy is, but people seem to know him. Javante Moffitt was in there. Keith Britton was in there and they were just going at our guy, Marcus Harvey about injuries and all this other stuff. So I listened for about five minutes, then my brain exploded. So I jumped on out. So we'll moderate a good one. If you have some topics you'd like us to discuss, obviously free agency is one of them pending draft. You know, maybe we kind of get three sides. Maybe we'll, you know, I'll defend the edge. We can bring somebody in to defend the wide receiver and we'll have a little uh, debate where everybody comes in, stakes your case for why the Browns should go at that position uh, in the draft. And we let the jury decide. Yeah, no, sounds good. So, all right. I uh, survived the Walmart and Steelers country today with only two F the Browns and one Baker is a bad word. So I will be heading back to the great city of Chicago this weekend on Sunday uh, so I will be home and ready, sitting by the keyboard, sitting by the microphone, sitting by the camera for when all the sources tell me that these people will be joining certain new teams. So who knows? Maybe we'll do one live and kind of announce it as things are rolling out. Um, one thing, it'd be remiss not to. Obviously, people chatting today of, oh, Zane Gonzalez has signed. If you listen to the podcast, you knew that three weeks ago. Paul that Brown was true. dropping that. He was like, he to be fair to Paul, he didn't say whether it was a restricted tender or something else, but he was like, hey, I've been told this dude's staying and uh, he, he's dropping news. Um, Listen, the guy Paul knows. sticks to what Paul knows. Paul sticks to what Paul knows. The different tenders is not what Paul knows. Paul knows that when Zane texts him and says, I'm staying in Carolina, I'm not coming back to Cleveland, he can come out. He's like the Pat McAfee to Aaron Rodgers with some of these guys. So if you ever need to know information on former Browns, specifically special teamers, kickers, or anything like that, Paul's your guy. He goes straight to the source. Paul goes, hey, Zane, we can tell you now because he's already signed. Hey, Zane, you should come back to Cleveland. He goes, nope, I'm staying in Carolina. Paul goes, thanks for the news. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's how that just, goes down. Paul just came out with it on the podcast. It was yeah, like, I'm not sure Zane probably. 
Yeah, luckily our listeners in uh, certain areas are probably low. The Carolina Panthers and his agent probably didn't break wind of that. But uh, yeah, if you, if you knew, you'd heard that uh, that, was, that was eminent. But no, so. as always, the most important thing, go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.